more about co-housing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Co-housing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We're developing the first co-housing project in Texas, and we're really glad you found us today. Hi, Kelly. Hey, Lynn. How are you? I'm very good. I'm Excellent. very good. Good, good, good. Well, we have a special guest with us today on our, I feel like we're like on a road trip, Lynn. I feel like I we're, do too. Feel like we're taking a little road trip around the country. And so today we are trucking it out of Houston and heading west. And we are going over to California, over to Fremont, where uh, Jane is uh, dialing in. She is a member of the forming Mission Peak Co-Housing Village. She's a uh, co-founder of that community in Fremont, California. So welcome, Jane. We're glad you're here. Thank you. Hi, Jane. Um, nice to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. One of the first questions that we know our listeners always want to know about is um, how you personally came to co-housing. But before I ask you that, I just have one little thing that's sticking in my head here. And that is, where is Fremont, California? I didn't look it up. My apologies. Is it north, south, east, or west in and California? This is not a good sign for a road trip. If we're just driving <laughs> off without even like, at least Sorry, I know guys. where we're going. I know yeah. where it is. I don't want our <laughs> listeners going off and Googling while they should be listening to Jane's answer. So fill us in, Jane. Do not apologize for not knowing where Fremont is. Fremont is the fourth largest city in the Bay Area after, uh, after San Francisco, San Jose, and Oakland. Okay. But even people in the Bay Area sometimes say, well, where's Fremont? Oh, my so gosh. The, okay. If you were in Oakland and you were driving to San Jose when you were halfway there, you would be in Fremont. Okay. We're a city of about 250,000 people. Okay. Well, thank you for that little... A uh, little sidestep there. So let's get back to where we wanted to be. And that is, Jane, tell us how you came to co-housing. This is always such an interesting and uh, everybody has a different story. So tell us. It almost startles me to realize how long ago it was. But in 2007, I was on the board of directors of Abode Services, which is our local homeless coalition. And they sent me, along with some other board members, to a housing conference in Sacramento. And at the housing conference, there was a workshop offered, um, led by Katie McCammond, about um, a community of, uh, uh, it was actually a rental community in Petaluma that she had been the architect for. Hmm. And she described how they had designed this community to make it easy for the people who live there to become friends and to interact with each other. And by the time I had heard the end of her uh, presentation and how design affected that, I came out of that and said, that's just exactly how I want to live. I'm so glad somebody has invented this. Oh, mm. That's amazing. So she was already bringing in the idea of kind of a co-housing living model into a de apartment development concept back well, in 2007. It, that one was an exception because it was rental. She and yeah. Chuck Durrett had already designed and um, and launched co-housing communities elsewhere in California. Exactly. Um, and Very so I interesting. was delighted there was already a pattern to follow. Yeah. And so then you got home and... Mm -hmm. 
And did you, you know, tell your partner about this? And he went, what are you smoking at these conferences or? Absolutely not. Because (laughs) Doug, uh, my, my partner had been at one time, um, employed as by a nonprofit in San Jose. San Jose, like many California communities, it had had a population explosion of people who had come from other parts of the country. And the feeling was that there was a lot of, you know, people being far from where they had been born uh, were in need of um, a community support. Mm. And so he uh, started an organization called Becoming, which was meant to draw in people who had um, a feeling that they wanted to be part of an intentional community. Mm. So he had helped build that from the ground up. Now, he didn't know about co-housing. He didn't know that that there was a model. There probably wasn't at the time he was doing it. Mm. But he was just delighted to hear that a pattern had been established because he knew how hard it was to, to invent the wheel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it was a real challenge. It was rewarding for him. But he was very pleased to know that it didn't have to be done again if we wanted to live in a community like that. Oh, definitely. Well, you know, I just had this memory flash through my head. And I don't, it just, when you started talking about Doug and this work that he was doing, remember back in the 60s, my mom was part of this welcome wagon when people moved mm-hmm. into neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what happened to that? That disappeared too along the way. Right. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that it exists anymore, but it was a wonderful idea to welcome people to their new community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so can you tell us a little bit about uh, Mission Peak itself? So when you when you got when you told Doug that you guys didn't have to reinvent the wheel and that you guys could just (laughs) visit with Katie and and figure out what she had already you know figured out how to do. What was the what was the next step then for Mission Peak to kind of form as an actual community? Well, we started kind of scratching our heads about how are we going to explain this to other people? So mm-hmm. we invited a whole bunch of friends to come over to our house and um, and tried to go through, um, you know, what what idea we had in mind and kind of gauge whether they were interested in it Mm -hmm. Um, and it was from that initial meeting that we had a little core group of people who uh, initially actually what we thought was we might want to um, do a retrofit community Mm -hmm. Um, actually start with um, you know living in the same neighborhood it occurred to us that our houses were oriented backwards (laughs) they were kind of oriented toward the street that the And and if only you ripped out the back fences, now we had our kitchen windows looking at each other and had kind of a nice common area away from the street where kids could play safely. Mm-hmm. But trying to get ourselves all in the same neighborhood proved mm-hmm. to be just overwhelming. There wasn't any way we figured we could make that work. So then we began looking for land. And in California, the, and maybe this is true all over the country, but particularly in the San Francisco Bay Area, there isn't a lot of uh, developable land that was the right size mm. that a little group like us could um, could make an offer on and buy. I even even if all you're looking for is a, an acre or a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's so precious that professional developers will swoop in and make a higher offer and a shorter close or something, and it just goes to somebody else. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, we had a list of priorities, what we were looking for in a piece of land. And even though it took us, let me count this up now. I hate to think. It was was about 10 years it took us to get the piece of property we wanted. We weren't mm-hmm. we weren't willing to compromise and give up things that seemed important to us, like walkability, like being in a residential neighborhood. Uh, we didn't we wanted to be someplace where you could get to services without a car. If you had a bicycle or you could walk, we wanted you to be able to go grocery shopping or go to the farmer's market or what I kept saying was go to a good coffee shop <laughs> within walking distance. Yeah. There there were some pieces of land we just didn't want they were next to railroad tracks or something like that um so it took a lot of persistence and a lot of faith that we could have what we wanted and we finally got a a wonderful piece of property in a quiet residential neighborhood on flat ground near bicycle trails and a Mm -hmm. huge uh central park and farmer's market and a really good coffee place oh nice okay so so since you've had some time to think about this space Okay, when you like close your eyes and you think about your community, you've got this land. What does a morning in Mission Peak look like to you on this beautiful piece of property? Well, we have we have designed it to be in a big U shape with the um, with the common house at the bottom of the U. Mm-hmm. And I, when I close my eyes and think about what's it going to be like to wake up here, I imagine myself going down to the common house still in my bunny slippers and making now I understand it chai tea latte is the trendy drink so making coffee and chai tea lattes and waiting to see who comes through on their way to work or on their way to school to say good morning Um, I'd love to start that a day saying hello to to my neighbors Um, and then then that charges me up for the rest of the day yeah. Jane, you've just expanded my vision of my own <laughs> uh, common house and, and situation. Um, you know, I'm just curious to, you must have had an incredible um, interior des- drive and desire for this co-housing to be stuck with it for 10 years. You know, what is it about co-housing that gave you that determination to achieve this goal? I guess I, you know, I'm, I was just sure it could be done. I mean, it's, it's um because maybe because I knew that there were other co-housing communities mm-hmm. uh, already in existence. People had done this before. Mm-hmm. I felt like if this is what I really want, I can have it. <laughs> and, and it isn't that I live in such a bad place myself. I mean, when, when uh, my husband, my late husband and I, um, bought our first house it was here in Fremont and we felt like we had arrived we this was the dream of Mm. our generation we bought a a single family detached house on a quiet cul-de-sac it had in a town that has wonderful schools I mean that it was one of the things that attracted us to Fremont is our school district is wonderful and we had uh, two daughters but it had six foot privacy fence Uh, Mm -hmm. we had a two-car garage we had an accessible nearby accessible on-ramp to the freeway so that he could commute to work Um, I was um, the parent that stayed home he was the breadwinning spouse and it it suited our needs real well. 
uh, that was in the seventies and it's not the seventies anymore. Mm. Um, the way we got to know all of our neighbors was our children had playmates in the neighborhood, but now mm -hmm. our children are grown and gone. And that's true of most of the people in this neighborhood. You really have to make an extraordinary effort mm -hmm. to see each other, which mm -hmm. we did during COVID, I'll have to say. We, mm -hmm. we made an extraordinary effort to, to be in touch with each other. But it, I've had enough of a taste of that to know that I want to do it with less effort and, um, you know, with, with people who are like-minded, people who want, want to interact with their neighbors, want mm -hmm. to be with their neighbors. Very so nice. just, it's a yearning, I guess, that I just can't let go of. <laughs> I, I'm I'm very impressed. Yeah, I think that's so interesting because, you know, I, when you describe like Fremont in the 70s, you know, as one way of approaching housing. And, you know, I do. I think most of the U.S. is still kind of in that exact same model, mm -hmm. just varying degrees of, you know, size and that kind of stuff. But but most of the U.S. is still stuck in that. Um, so it's interesting to me to hear you describe Fremont that way and then think about, you know, well, what does co-housing bring to Fremont? You know, what is it, what, how does it kind of upend this dominant narrative about, you know, what, what, what the American dream is, what does that, what does it bring or what do you hope to, cause I know that you all are as a group are really, uh, civically engaged. So I imagine mm -hmm. that you all have talked about what you're bringing to Fremont or how you're changing the community with this. We, we surely have. I think um, that uh, Fremont is not so unlike the San Jose that I described to you when Doug was forming um, the, the group Becoming. Um, mm -hmm. Most people in Fremont have come here from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And some of them have come from very far away. Some of them have come from other parts of the world and their, uh, their families are very far away. And um, I think that when people want to form community they will find a way to do it but the the obstacles can be enormous i mm -hmm. um there's just been a movie released called fremont that's about the afghan community here oh um, really people have been coming here from afghanistan in various waves because of what's going on there for over 40 years and they come here because there are uh, already other people from afghanistan here um they don't live together um, I think what we are introducing to Fremont is um, a way you can create a neighborhood that suits your needs rather mm -hmm. than trying to find a community a neighborhood that already exists and fit your lifestyle into it. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think what we're showing people with this, what we hope to serve as a model, is that you can determine what you would like your lifestyle to be and then have your home feed that. Yeah, um, that's, you know, that's exactly what we say. We've been saying here is a kind of upside down development. You build the community first and then you just throw in the house. Well, we joke for free, but we all know that's a real joke um, <laughs> at the end of it. But I, I love yeah. that. It's the idea of kind of shifting away from location, location, location to community, community, community instead of, you know, yeah, where you're planted. Exactly. Well, Jane, your community just sounds very, very enticing and very interesting. Um, do you guys still have any room in your community? Maybe you want to tell us a little bit about your build out and when you expect to move in and 
Just do we a had, little quick pitch for us. Well, I, I will do that. But let me tell you something that happened on the way to this. So uh, we intend to break ground uh, uh, about a year from now. Mm -hmm. um, and we do still have availability. We have quite a few committed uh, members of the community right now. But um, we have uh, most most of our um, units are going to be uh two bedrooms and either one and a half baths or two baths, although we do have a few one bedrooms and we have some three bedrooms as well. Um, so we can we can um, accommodate families, we can accommodate singles, we can accommodate young children, we can accommodate seniors. Um, when we first proposed this, uh, for, and since it's a first in Fremont, we weren't sure what kind of... Um, approval process we would have to go mm. through it's been a big learning process so we took the whole thing to um planning commission last may and we were very prepared <laughs> maybe a little <laughs> over prepared to explain the concept and explain the benefits of it and explain why we want we thought it would be good for for fremont to be the first to lead the way and you know the planning commission meeting went so smoothly there were five members, they all voted in favor. And by the time they had learned about our community, when they voted, they said things like, this is the way we should be approving development in Fremont in the future, or it's an honor to vote for this. We were just overwhelmed. Oh we had gosh. no opposition at all. So we feel like, like we have been working to get to the end of the moving sidewalk like they have at the airport yes. all of a sudden we're on the moving sidewalk <laughs> and they kind of cranked up the speed so that's you know, awesome boom <laughs> so uh we're, we're doing exciting things like you know planning uh what now that we have our our site plan approved planning what the interiors of the um the units are going to look like and and next month we're going to really take a deep dive into what we want in our common house kitchen mm -hmm. uh and i think it's just this is the fun part this is a mm -hmm. bunch of fun and so people who join us now get to be in on that yeah um, so we have uh it just it feels like finally it's kind of paying off and getting to so when is your move move in forecast it. I know that's a very variable thing if you're just breaking ground next year, but what are you guys yeah, hoping I, for? What what we are told, and of course weather is a big factor. Yes, we know. We know. But um <laughs> is that we should expect that it would take 18 to 24 months to okay. build. So if we break ground next uh like middle of next year, then mm -hmm. maybe we could move in by the end of 2005 But I'm not gonna get my bunny slippers until 2006. 26. Yeah, that's twenty six. Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh. that's okay. <laughs> yeah, time has twenty twenty six very quickly. Yeah, yeah. and do yeah. you guys have an idea of what you know? By the time you move in in twenty twenty six, that's really maybe up to almost three years from now. And of course, prices around us are really a real wild card. Do you have any idea what you're going to be, um, you know, asking people to commit to? Um, price wise, yeah, we, estimates wise. Estimates wise, well, um, I our, our the uh, smallest of our units starts in the nine hundred thousand dollar range, and the the large one with all the bells and whistles, if you add everything in, you can will be about a little over two million. Okay, so um, a pretty wide range depending on, mm -hmm. on what 
you're hoping for. And that's that's a prediction about what they might cost in uh, 2026. Of course, we're going to be um, charging whatever the cost of our project is. Sure. It won't matter really what the market is doing so much. And I tell you, they're selling um, uh, condominiums about our size right now at that price. Really? Wow. Mm -hmm. The demand here is just enormous. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for that little pitch. Uh, this has been such an enjoyable conversation to hear, you know, not only about you and what brought you to co-housing, but then also uh, what kind of community comes out of that persistence and that kind of civic mindedness to see what can spring up. And I'm really glad that you found this particular wheel that you didn't have to reinvent and you could just learn about it and get it rolling in Fremont. So oh, thanks so am that. I. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Jane. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Look forward to talking to you again, maybe in a couple of years. Okay, I'm going to go learn how to make a chai iced tea or chai okay. latte. Chai latte. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Have a good Have a good week. Bye. Thanks for stopping by today. We're so glad you clicked on our episode. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about cohousing, we like cohousing.org. We're active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Cohousing Houston.